0: Man, this is Deion Dawkins, man. You're listening to The Scoop on owlscoop.com. You already know. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Scoop, owlscoop.com's podcast, season eight, episode 23. I'm John DiCarlo. And Kyle Gauss is with me today. Caden and Javon are, are off, so it's
1: just the two of us. It's going what on. if I didn't show up? Would you have just recorded by yourself?
0: I would have recorded by myself. It might have been a mix of a podcast and a Tiny Desk concert, where I would cover cover songs that would that you would inevitably rip on me for covering. It's like after the break, I'll be putting on a one man performance of Macbeth. <laughs> That's just
1: your wife walks in. She's like, what's going on? I'm like I'm podcasting.
0: Close the door. I told you not to disturb me. Was there a sign on the door? There was. You walked past it. You know how passionate I am about Shakespeare these days. <laughs> this is my own globe theater. Come on. Do you ever think we'd be talking about Shakespeare on the Scoop?
1: My dumbass, when I was in London, they have like a recreation of the Globe Theater. And I'm like, oh, it's the Globe Theater. The real Globe Theater burned down like 400 years ago.
0: I think we <laughs> talked about this. I, I think we talked about this. And I think I said to you, like, I couldn't have gunned to my head. I couldn't have told you whether the original Globe Theater was still standing. So, Well, it's not. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> uh not. Anyway. Got this weird basketball team to talk about, a uh, little bit more football, putting mailbag questions, even some NIL stuff. I know that some of you as fans have been very curious about, you know, what Temple is doing or hadn't been doing with NIL. We'll get into that. There's some stuff that they've recently added to their website that I know intrigues some fans. So famous number 23s, Kyle. I, mean, hmm. I like, can't hmm. think of any. Um,
1: LeBron James.
0: <laughs> yep.
1: Michael Jordan. Yeah. Um starlet Beater David Justice. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, at least you're um at least you're not blinded by uh
1: Yeah, but no no part of me is going to romanticize David Justice.
0: So I'm yeah. gonna be like, "Oh,
1: <laughs> who else?" <laughs>
0: Guy who uh visited Temple University's campus back in the fall, Don Mattingly got to got to meet him. Oh yeah. Uh spoke to students part of our Claire Smith Center for Sports Media. He was uh he was terrific. He was awesome. That was, that was definitely a thrill. Very cool. Um, Probably the guy who came
1: out of nowhere the most to win a bunch of fantasy football championships in the late two thousands.
0: Uh, is, are you thinking of a guy who was with the Eagles for a day?
1: No, you're thinking of Frank Gore, who you're yeah. looking at the site I'm looking at who <laughs> I think he only wore 23 with the Colts. He, no. wore, 20, he wore 20 with the, the Niners, right?
0: Oh, yeah. No, I think We're that just is wrong one. enough.
1: Um, but I am thinking of Aaron Foster. Oh, yeah. Aaron Foster just uh, comes out of nowhere from Tennessee, yeah. wins, wins a bunch of people championships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it raining out by you, by the way? Uh, uh I don't know. I live in a basement now. Oh, My yeah. office is in a basement. I have that little tiny window that's in basement, so they can't make anymore because they're like, hey, guess what? If there's a fire, you need a bigger window. Yep. So I got that, yeah. but I have the blinds covered because... I, you, I gotta find okay. a, you gotta find a basement that makes big windows <laughs> apparently well, new construction you like have to do that now you have to have like that crawl out stuff i was flo- as a, a I child was in the
0: big check reference from uh semi-pro yeah um but yeah i don't know i assume it's i think it was supposed to rain yeah i'm uh, i'm up here in the in our in the office up in the attic here and i'm hearing the pitter pattering of uh raindrops but
1: anyway joining real quick my bro my son turned three got this thing now where like he sits on like the thing like you like move your arms and the momentum Kind of like propels this car mm-hmm. and it sounds like it's thundering when he's doing this. I'm like, holy <laughs> crap, like there's a hurricane outside and it's just Jordan just going. And if you, if you get on it with them, he starts shouting, like, there's a lion chasing us, a lion. And he's just like pumping away. Like, oh, I guess we're pretending. You don't. What <laughs> it if could it be. Or? It I could be an escape. Wasn't there a time in like the 90s or early 2000s where a tiger escaped from like a zoo? Uh, it was a tiger or um, And it, it went and like killed. The kids that were throwing stuff at it.
0: Is it a cougar? So there was some sort of animal escaped from the zoo. Yeah, there could be the yeah in the San
1: Francisco Zoo tiger attacks. Uh, Tatiana, in the first incident, she just uh bit a zookeeper. The
0: second time, she hunted down like kids that were throwing rocks at her and killed the kid. No, so I'm thinking there was a there was an animal that got loose from the Philadelphia Zoo within the last twenty years. Oh yeah, that I was. Think, um, I don't think it killed anybody. Hopefully not. I remember that. That was like 2012, 2013.
1: Mm-hmm. What was that? I was talking about this tiger killed somebody. <laughs> it just like killed this, like, I mean, RIP, but it killed some like punk ass kid. <laughs> this is the Pe- that everybody peacocks did. run away from the zoo. Yes. Yeah, that's not what I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. They were like on like 76, weren't they? I think so. Yeah. Oh, it was A bunch of zebras escaped and were running through West Philly. That's one of them. <laughs> yes.
0: Yes. Wild. Nonetheless, basketball, football, NIL mailbag questions start with basketball so since we last recorded obviously temple did have their first conference loss they they lost to tulane and then we have the weird game a couple nights ago again kyle and i were recording this on thursday evening they beat uh, granted that uh, tulsa is a, a program that had obviously just not only beaten temple but like terrorized them and really just gave them a hard way to go especially down there they're not a good team this season. We don't want to misrepresent what they are. They're four and eleven now, zero and four in the conference. But really weird game the other night. Temple had a twenty point lead. They they allow a twenty two to nothing run, which is really hard to do these days. But nonetheless, extended from part of the first half and into the first half into the second, and then they fight back and they weather two ejections. First one from Damian Dunn. Second one from Jaleel White. So you're without you you know. Arguably your best player, one of your better young players. And they still hold on in this weird game and and win at 76 to 72. So again, if you're a temple basketball fan following the program, following this podcast, again, we're not going to try to over or underrepresent what this team is. We know about the bad losses to Wagner, Maryland, mm-hmm. Eastern Shore, what they have done, what they have not done. Certainly a lot to to crit that was cringy from this game fringy and then some stuff where they're like all right so again we know the narrative they're gonna have to sort of sweeping houston during the regular season which will be tough of course and they've got memphis coming up this weekend a memphis team that that has been i think they're one and four on the road undefeated at home they're playing at temple we know how up and down this team has been um jamil reynolds Aaron mckee told me uh last week that he was still a few weeks away which is somewhat encouraging nonetheless mm-hmm. we know how up and down they've been after Tuesday night's game what general impressions of what you saw we know the ugliness what what do you what do you make of this team coming out of that game
1: yeah I mean I think if you're like super I guess negative or just over with Aaron McHara obviously you're just viewing it as like well they looked sloppy um, they were it was an embarrassing stretch at some point like I said it's hard to give up 22 nothing. Um, and they ended up winning by four against like a, a team that's arguably the worst team in the American. Mm-hmm. I think if you're an optimist, you go, okay, well, once they gave up that 22, nothing run, it would have been very easy to just kind of like crumble. And instead you saw like a little bit of resiliency that was led by guys that might not have been uh high up on Tulsa's game plan. Like Manuel Pomo probably had by far the best game of his temple career, right? Like he had six and eight and 21 minutes. Um, Isaiah Miller, I think it becomes more more and more evident that he might be almost like the leader of this team. I mean, you saw even during times when um, like the players were getting in scuffles and stuff like Fave's kind of the one that really like calmed them down, like brought them back into it. He's becoming pretty reliable to get you in that nine to 12 point range with a handful of assists. I think I saw some resiliency without, I'd say, like two of their top four players. Right uh I don't all of a sudden think it's going to necessarily spark some run where they go 12 and 0 down the stretch and they finish at 22 and 8 and you go yep that's exactly where I wanted them to be but I saw some resiliency and some some shit to this team that maybe you hadn't seen since last year like yeah. I think it's I think it's easy to kind of remember like last year just from like a a step back perspective like oh they went 17 14 they also were like gritty and won a lot of games that Either they shouldn't have won or they almost lost. Like it was never pretty. It was a gritty team that I think that was a gritty win on Tuesday.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I'm sure that some people would eviscerate us for saying that and saying, how can you take anything positive out of what's going on? There's something, there's something there to this team right now that's still interesting and still intriguing. It's not enough right now. Again, they do not have by any stretch of the imagination an NCA tournament resume. They just, they right. just, they just don't. They have done that. They've done that to themselves um but yeah that could have been really really ugly you know you you don't you don't recover from a run like that if you
1: if you had blown a 20 point lead and you got 22 nothing against a four1 Tulsa team it might have been the worst loss of Aaron McKee's career mm-hmm. like yeah. and it's instead it's it's a win and you just move on
0: yeah um similarly speaking so you look ahead to Sunday, Another team that that has a better record, but has still been weird and up and down. For as up and down as a twelve and five team can be, again, Memphis uh, has not lost at home, but they're one and four on the road. You got a Memphis team coming into town that uh, obviously the big story is you know you have Kendrick Davis and a fifth year guard, the, the SMU transfer. He had forty two points the other night. They get into a double overtime shootout and lose to UCF, one hundred seven, one hundred four. So another team that has been enigmatic, whatever you want to call these teams, mercurial, mm-hmm. inconsistent. Um, what do you make of this? What do you make of Sunday? What you think you'll see Sunday? I mean, there's so many different storylines. How do Damian Dunn and Jahliel White respond? Because uh, you could look at Dame's technical and say, well, OK, what the officials ruled. We were talking about this just before we recorded that. They said that they didn't like the way that he looked. He looked down as he was stepping over the player. Jaleel clearly, this is a couple, couple games in a row now where Jaleel White, yeah, has lost his cool. I'll be, yeah, interested. the
1: the Jaleel one's more concerning to me yeah. than Dame. I mean, I think, I think done. It was just like I, I honestly think it was ticky tack. Um, mm-hmm. I think the actual initial contact was maybe not accidental, but wasn't aggressive. And then the looking over thing, like somebody on our boards, but like, yeah, what else are you supposed to do when you, like you should be looking down when you're stepping over somebody. And like, I, I think that one was whatever <clears throat> the Jaleel thing. That's twice. Now he mm-hmm. didn't get ejected uh, the last game or two games ago, but he got a technical for saying something to the ref. Mm-hmm. So like that becomes something that if that's not corrected, that just becomes kind of your MO and people associate that with you. And you can get under this kid's skin and you can make him cause mistakes. And that one's more concerning to me.
0: Mm-hmm. Um. So it'll be interesting to see how, they respond if 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 Damian Dunn and, and Caleb Battle continue to, you know, to come off the bench. Um, I think one bright spot for this team has been, like you said, a guy like Hysier Miller, this sophomore core. Um, Zach Hicks, we should note too, finally got off of his shooting schneid a little bit. And it seems like Aaron's part of his MO at this point is to say, okay, I want to still continue to obviously win games, but make sure that we can continue to build confidence with with Hysier Miller. With Zach Kicks, with Nick Jourdain, with guys like that, Memphis comes into town. A, a, a team that is cliche as it sounds, they probably have a chip on their shoulder because they they probably didn't want to be twelve and five. They probably don't want to be losing a double overtime game on the road to to UCF again. Kendrick Davis was supposed to be a big addition. He has been, but they're not where they want to be. Um, I think it's a very I say very winnable, and I'm not trying to discount the the talent that that Memphis has, but I think it's a winnable game for Temple. What do you make of this one on Sunday for what you see coming up?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think I've been kind of on record. that I think the Penny Hardaway experiment is kind of at its ceiling. I mean, I think you're seeing that like he, every year they bring in some monster class or they get some key transfers. Like in this situation, the fact of the matter that they brought Kendrick Davis in, from SMU and just like plucked a guy from the conference and becomes the AAC conference player of the year was like a big deal. I just think coaching wise and whether it's he's recruiting the right type of kids or rather, is he recruiting the wrong type of kids? Is he recruiting kids or only viewing as a vessel getting the NBA, whatever it is. I don't think it's working to the level that they wanted it to work at. I think when they hired Penny Hardaway, they thought they were going to get back to like those Cal years of final four and see what happens. And instead, I think they're, Always kind of just fighting for like an at large bid. I, if this game gets into the, if, if Memphis drops 104 on them, there's no way double's keeping up with that, right? Like they, they don't have the firepower to win games like that. Mm-hmm. They have the firepower to win games in the 70s and 60s. I mean,
0: like, yeah, Memphis, it was a 78, it was a 78 78 game against UCF the other night before it went into two, uh, two overtimes. And then that second overtime, they combined those teams combined for 37 points. So that's where it got really high scoring.
1: Sure. And this is the first time Memphis has come to Philly since um they came last year or was it pre-COVID? I thought I think last year's got canceled. I think yeah. it was scheduled and then it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so they haven't come to Philly since pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to expect. I mean, I think I think I agree with you where you say it's a winnable game. Sure. I I, I don't think Temple's like an overwhelming favorite in this. Um, I think if anything, they'll probably be you know five, six point underdogs, but this is the good thing. And the bad thing about temple is that they have the talent on their team in Caleb battle and Damian Dunn. that if Caleb battles, having a good Caleb battle game where he's hitting five threes, six threes. They can compete with pretty much anybody in this conference. And that includes Houston on some nights. Like they, they competed with Houston last year without battle. I think they might win this game. Mm-hmm. I, I also thought they were going to win, go on a run a little bit prior to that Penn game and they lost by 20 to pen. So right. take that for what it's worth. But I would hope that this kind of like gritty win over Tulsa is a bit of a punch in the mouth that maybe there's probably only four or five games left on the schedule that you're like, yep, that's something that would like draw attention that like would really make you feel good about yourself. Beating Memphis is one of them. Beating Houston is two of them. Beating Memphis again is one of them, and then maybe UCF now. Now that UCF's gotten their stuff figured out, Mm
0: -hmm. Uh,
1: yeah, I would think. Also, I think a Sunday three o'clock game while everybody else in the world is watching. Um, NFL playoff games is exactly mm-hmm. when Temple beats Memphis. So,
0: yeah, I should, I, I should know again, UCF is 13 and four, four and one in the league. So, yeah, they're, they're a
1: lot better than, yeah, people
0: thought. Yeah. I mean, is this, it sounds so simple to say, but I mean, is this a game where, like, if you are Aaron McKee and you're the staff and you are sitting down talking to Jolly White and saying, Look, you've you got to get your act together. Here's the opportunity. You know, you have to cool your Jets. We're putting you on Kendrick Davis, obviously. Right you know, obviously like they're switching on defense and stuff like that. But, you know, here's a kid who just put up 42 on UCF. You saw him last year when he was really good with SMU. He got to the line as much as he could. 21 of 23 from the line. Here's your chance to get your shit together again and shut this guy down. And then we'll, we'll try to let the Lawsons and the Williams and the McCadden's of the, of the, of the world. The 26 year old DeAndre Williams. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like, I mean, this It just seems with as back and forth as this team has been to get the weird win that they got. And like, here's an opportunity that's teed out for them to say this appeals to your, to your craziness. Here's an opportunity to be challenged. It's Memphis. It's Penny. Again, they're two and two in the league. And again, I'm not trying to overrepresent what they are, but I just kind of have that feeling that like Jaleel White could bounce back and be like, Oh, I saw it as an opportunity to get my head right. Really locked down, arguably the top guard in the conference.
1: Yeah, look, I mean, the only way that you get a reputation as a team uh, of a team that's like prone to let down games is if you're also successful in games that like you need to be successful. Otherwise, you're just a bad team, right? Like if you if you never win the games that are like you're punching up, then like you're just a bad team. And like Temple has in the past shown the ability to at least compete with teams that you might think have more talent. And like, yeah, Memphis from a sheer roster standpoint probably has more talent. I agree. I think this is probably like a come to Jesus game for Jaleel White. Like either like do what you're supposed to do, step up, um, defend their best guy, figure this out. And if, if you kind of go through that same pattern of that if you'll get under your skin and you making mental mistakes, then guess what? Then we have two guards on the bench that are both dying to get back into the starting lineup. lineup. Mm-hmm. Like the fact of the matter is that Jaleel White's starting position is by no means in concrete if, if he continues to struggle and he becomes a liability in some of the more gray areas of the game like it wouldn't surprise me if Damian Dunn finds his way back in the starting
0: lineup so yeah that'll be something to watch I think it's also somewhat reasonable to be encouraged by what you saw from Shane Dazoni the other night yeah for sure I mean, he's, gonna, he's gonna play 32 minutes again next year yeah so, I mean one turnover in 18 minutes you know two three from the floor uh could have knocked down a couple more foul shots right. but, you know, five rebounds, a couple of assists and, and seems to be, you know, finding his way a, a little bit. Um, And you mentioned it before, I was very encouraged by what I saw of Emmanuel Akpomo. I mean, he, again, I'm not trying to say that he has the offensive ability that Jamil Reynolds has, but in 21 minutes, got you, got you eight rebounds, was very com- confident and competent around the rim. It was, was, as you said, probably his best game in a temple uniform and was physical. Aaron always says like, I just need him to hit guys. Like, no, (laughs) physically beat them up, but just be physical. And he gave you that and more, and he gave you some, you know, some productive minutes actually around the rim. And that's something to be encouraged by. Again, this team was hitting on all cylinders. Tuesday's game is nowhere near close. And that wasn't the case, but um, I don't know. They're, they're a weird team. They, they, gives you some reasons good bad and indifferent to be intrigued and he's just so
1: like matchup specific right like Mm -hmm. he can't play against teams are going to go super small with memphis it'll really be interesting to see like does malcolm dandridge play if he Mm -hmm. hasn't played in close to a month but if he plays and all of a sudden you got this guy who's 6'9 260 out there then like you might have to go out there for a fair amount of of burn to get akomo so Mm
0: -hmm.
1: yeah he initially they said he was gonna be out like a week and he's been out for like a month so I really don't know. Yeah, I think it's an angle.
0: Uh, we we do have some mailbag questions to to get into here, both football and basketball. We'll we'll tackle the basketball ones first. The first one comes from Esther Boyer. Again, these are these are we we if you're listening, you know we we generally take mailbag questions from our AlScoop.com subscribers. So yeah, um, it's always a good time to subscribe. Latest basketball news, latest football news, latest recruiting news. We'll get into some of that in a little bit, but. Uh, these are uh, subscribers who are getting their mailback questions in uh, more of a national global question here. First one from the screening, Esther Boyer, curious of your picks for national champion. Thanks.
1: So I thought about this because mm-hmm. I read this beforehand. I initially wanted to kind of say Purdue just because I think Purdue, like Matt Painter, like runs a pretty good system. I'm mm-hmm. also sick of getting bamboozled by Purdue every March or every it's March. Made I them
0: Tough too. What was that? Penn State just played them tough. At the- yeah,
1: sure. But I mean, whatever. It's a conference game, like a weird yeah. neutral site. Um, I'm more fact like even last year, they were the number one team for like ever, and then they make the Sweet 16. Like, they feel like they just like they bail out a little early in March, mm-hmm. whether that's fair or unfair. You know what I'm kind of envisioning? Houston. We've we've talked a lot about how there's parallels between like this season and like that like first season or like the, that that first season in the big east or like the next year for rule for basketball, Louisville won that, that national championship that last year in the American. Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I kind of think that Houston has like the, the grittiness to them to, mm-hmm. I mean, they were so close last year. Yep. I think this might be the year it gets, get right to the American one last big check on the way out. Mm-hmm. goes to the big 12. The American gets to update. It's uh graphic that plays at the end of every sporting event for power six <laughs> with another <laughs> national championship.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I I like I like Houston not just because they're in the American. Um, I I know that. Hey, kudos to to UConn. I think Danny Hurley's team is going to not implode at some point. I just
1: they uh, already got punched in the mouth.
0: Yeah, and but,
1: like the the athletic put that article out there, which is a very good article about how Danny Hur- Danny Hurley's turning around and blah blah, and then they got punched in the mouth by Xavier and Providence and just mm-hmm. lost Marquette too. So like, yeah, believe that when I see that.
0: Yeah, uh, we definitely have. We have a couple more basketball questions here, right? Also,
1: Gonzaga is like West Coast baseball to me, where like I assume they're good. I've not seen them play yet.
0: This <laughs> it's yeah. like
1: Mike. It's like Mike Trout. Like people tell me Mike Trout's great. The stats tell me Mike Trout's great. See him I've swing seen like Mike ten Trout. times in Mike Trout
0: more at Eagles games than I do. In... That's what I'm saying. I've seen. I've seen him have like ten at bats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now we do have a couple more basketball mailbag questions here. Second one from uh, the screen name is uh, Chi-Town Al. Uh, The question is, I know they are stringing together some wins, but it seems like the team still lacks identity and consistency. What needs to happen for this team to catch fire and make some noise late in the season, or do you think that ship has sailed?
1: I don't even know if I'd call it stringing together wins yet because, like, you have the loss loss losses piled up every now and then. Right. But, I mean, I think think the way – excuse me. I think their identity is – yeah, right. I would think that the way that people people's expectations coming into this season were that they don't have to be what they are last year because they have the talent with Dunn and Battle and people coming in, you just be like, okay, like now they can just be like this bona fide team. I think they just need to go back to that identity of last year of just like, screw it, it's going to be ugly. We're going to have guys shoot thirty five percent sometimes, but like Jaleel White's going to be a great on the ball defender. Mm-hmm. We're going to be able to negate a guy for 28 minutes at a time. Like, I think they just need to get that gritty identity back. I don't know. I mean, obviously look, look like losing Jeremiah Williams hurts a lot in that because like Jeremiah Williams, when he was healthy. Was like a big part of that, but they also didn't have him down the stretch last year. Right. Like, like he missed a good portion of the season. So like they learned that they had to kind of have that grittiness on their own. But I think it just falls on like high seer needs to kind of set the tone with that. Jaleel needs to set the tone with that. And they just need to become a team that like, even if they only win eighteen games this year, seventeen games this year, they need to be that that gritty team that nobody really wants to play in during the conference tournament.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I think that um, I think that I think the only thing that has definitively sailed on them is obviously a non oh, Excuse me, a um, at-large bid. Again, short of them sweeping Houston, and if they do, you think, wow, that's a hell of a story. But don't see it happening. I think the ship has sailed on an at-large bid, which people were hoping for at the very least at the beginning of the season, that is sale. I, I to, Yeah, partly I'm pointing to what you said, I think that they need to, their identity really might need to come from this sophomore core when you see Fabe, you know, Hyster Miller, Zach Hicks, Nick Jordan, Jaleel White, guys like that taking over. Um, again, the, people are going to say this is such a meaningless thing, but I think we were talking about the other night, you know, when when Jaleel got teed up, I think you said it was Hysier. like almost mentioned to the, the staff, like I got it.
1: So like, is your and to his credit, battle as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, I think they both kind of like
1: brushed McKee away, like, no, like we'll take care of this.
0: Yeah, I think for them to catch fire and make some noise, I think you need to see continued growth out of Zach Hicks, out of these sophomores. I think you need to see, obviously, obvious thing, Jameel Reynolds comes back and is the player that he was before and that you can partly work your offense through him. He needs to get healthy. I mean, he's out of his cast now he was getting in. I would say some, uh, when I was at practice last week, some light work in, I think he might be even maybe a little ahead of schedule. Um, he needs to come back. Damian Dunn needs to find his rhythm again. And I think Caleb battle just needs to be the good version of Caleb battle, you know, hitting clutch shots, getting streaky in a good way. Um, but I think a lot of it really needs to come from the younger guys. And then you would throw again, Jamil Reynolds into that group of sophomores. Not that he's a guy that they initially recruited, but um, I think that's where the opportunity will come from. I don't think the ship has sailed for them in terms of being able to carve out an identity. It's just how far can that identity take them is, you know, winning 20, 21, 22 games getting a win or two in the conference tournament, but then falling short of the NCAA tournament and getting to the NIT, like, no, nobody's going to be happy with the NIT, but is that enough to intrigue you to say they're heading in the right direction, even if Damian Dunn and Caleb Battle are gone? I think there's still an opportunity for that to happen, but I think it needs to grow from that sophomore core and getting healthy. So, Yeah.
1: Like, look, I, I, I'm never going to, I guess, name names, but like I saw people on Twitter during that game being like, this is the worst temple team in 40 years and blah, blah. No, it's not. Like, yeah. no, it's not. Like, it's not even close. Not like they're 10 and eight. They have a handful of like okay wins. Like, they still have the opportunity to make a little bit of a run to get to, like an NIT or something like that. Um, I the one real complete random ish quick. I hate ESPN plus announcers that just look at the roster and go, look at all these sophomores. Temple's so young. Like, there's David, Don, and Caleb Bad are fourth year guys at this point. They've been playing a lot of college basketball. It just kind of shows you that, like, ESPN plus announcers are like, uh, who do we got tonight?
0: Missing a lot. of, uh, Yes, exactly. <laughs> Missing a lot of context and a lot of background. And the one guy like a month ago was like Tulsa transfer, Damien Dunn. I was like, what?
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's fabricating things.
0: Yeah. Um, the final basketball mailbag question to get to here. The screen name is, I guess, Vanter V-A-N-T-R. What changes are you expecting to happen in the offseason season? how does the administration see our fit in the American athletic conference? Do they have a vision for athletics? If so, has that vision been shared and what actions are being taken to advance our position? So first things first, what chances, uh, what changes are you expecting to happen in the off season?
1: If I was a betting man, if I just had to like say like, what's the most likely I think Aaron McKee stays and there might just have to be changes made in his support staff as like a reason for him to stay. I just find it hard to press that if Temple goes to like, 18 and 12, 17 and 13, 16 and 14, maybe wins a game between the conference. I just can't close my eyes and see them being like, that's, that's enough to get rid of Aaron McKee. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't see that happening.
0: Yeah. Um, I've said this before. I do not know the thinking of Arthur Johnson and this administration at this point to, 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 to say anything else would be really irresponsible. I can you know, when I was at practice last week, I can tell you that Aaron and Arthur sat and talked to each other for about 20, 25 minutes or so. Do not know the 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 you know the substance of the of the conversation, but they seem to be getting along really well. The conversation ended with a hug. Who knows what they were talking about? Things do not seem to be tense between them. Now, obviously, if this team really tanks down the stretch, they lose, you know, 10 of their last 12 or something, all bets are sure. off. Yeah, Again, sure. And anything, anything short of an NCA tournament appearance this season is is disappointing it's fair to say um i i would agree with you if, if they go 18 19 20 wins down the stretch and it ends in an in the nit or something like that i think aaron's back i don't know if there will be staff changes again this is where we're really speculating like where um would they ask him to do that i truly i truly don't know would aaron be willing to do that I truly don't know. I, I don't think that Aaron would be chomping at the bit to make changes right. on his staff. It's, And again, I get it. People want results. They want to go to the NCAA tournament. But When I was talking to Damian Dunn and Nick Jordan the other day, they both were willingly quoting stuff that Monte Ross tells them. I think there is a respect level for the staff. I don't think it's like a, a situation where the players are saying – these guys don't know basketball, you know. Even on his good days, Caleb Battle will say, "For whatever it's worth, you guys want to blame the coaches, blame us." I don't know. I mean, again, we've talked about it. Something, either way, will have to be done because mm-hmm. again, Aaron McKee is in the fourth year of a five-year contract. So, you, it would be extremely, extremely bizarre and rare for them to do nothing and like he's just in the final. If, year if they,
1: the they just leave him and he's in the final year, which can't I don't think would happen. Well, recruit. he's he's going to exclusively tr- recruit grad transfers, right? Yeah. Like, just be like, look, I'm here for a year. You're here for a year. Let's see what yeah. happens.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So um, I will say just from like a
1: college basketball perspective, it's rare, if not unheard of, for the same staff to be around for five years without like success. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's rare that you hear like, okay, well, we hired this guy, he brought in the staff and nobody left for five years. Mm-hmm. And this tournament, and this team just never made the tournament or anything. So like, yeah. I would think there has to be something moving.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the other questions here from Vanter, how do the how does the administration see our fit in the American Athletic Conference? I mean, I don't know what we can really say to that other than if you were to ask Arthur Johnson about this, sure. Again, like with previous athletic directors, if if there were no consequences for saying it, like if you were to ask Pat Kraft, Fran Donfy, in the past. Would you like to be in the ACC? Sure, we'd love to be in the ACC. Would you love to be in the Big Ten? Sure, we'd love to be in the Big Ten. Would we love it if we could stay in the Big East for basketball and the Big East had never, you know, d- you know, dissolved its its football teams? Sure, but I'm sure that they will say that they see their fit in the ACC as they're in a major market. There are some exciting new teams coming in, and they just need to win as much as possible. Do they have a mm. vision for athletics? Sure, they sure. do. <laughs> Um, how has that vision been shared, and what actions are being taken to advance our position? That's a question for the athletic department. I mean, like, I, I don't, uh, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'll just kind of say this uh, to give them my soapbox a little bit: is I, I don't buy the logic whatsoever that the reason that Temple has not been successful over the last three or four years is because of the American. I don't buy that whatsoever. Nope. Like, say- they've been unsuccessful, like for sure. Like, footballs had three straight bad seasons a little bit better this year, but three straight bad seasons. Basketball hasn't made the tournament since Fran Dunphy left. Like I completely understand that. It'd be one thing if Temple was just knocking it out the park and you're like, Oh my God, like, look at this. They're the number, like they're winning 14 games a year in basketball and they're going eight and five, nine and four in football. And like, we're just frustrated because we haven't been able to get that jump to the next conference. And this is hurting them. I get that. The fact of the matter is they have been a bad athletic department for bad that bad athletics program for the past couple of years. Yeah. The first step to fixing that is to win games. And so like you hire the right guys. I feel like they might have made the right hire in San Drayton. I feel like that there's a good possibility there. You you win games there and then you do that consistently. And then if five years down the line you think you're in the same situation and you're just without an identity and what the hell are we doing here? Reconsider it then. Until then your job as an athletic department is to make your product like the most marketable it can be in the hopes that maybe the ACC, maybe the ACC does expand in some way. ACDC? The AC, ACDC says, look, Temple's got backseat rhythm. We want them in the conference. <laughs>
0: backseat
1: rhythm. Right? That's ACDC, right?
0: Yeah. Girls got rhythm, backseat rhythm. They've, yeah. been, uh, they've been thunderstruck. Hell's bells. Obviously. Until then, <laughs> just win
1: games. Just get better at basketball. Like, a guy who needs no mentioning tried blaming the fact that Temple lost to Penn on the fact that Temple wasn't the American on Twitter. The reality is Temple lost to Penn because it played worse basketball than Penn. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I, I, you don't need to overthink this. The first step is to be better at the sports that you are playing. Mm-hmm. Until yeah. then, the conference stuff is kind of secondary just because you're losing in the conference you're in now. Mm-hmm. I What Like, what else is the proposal? That you drop down to the A-10 and, like, Go to Duquesne? Yeah. I don't want to go to Duquesne. I'm not going to Duquesne, John. I'm not going to do it. I refuse.
0: Visit our buddy Todd Price and eat six Permanent Brothers sandwiches. Um, But yeah, I mean, like how much the revenue would be better, but like, let's say they were in, let's say they were in the big 12 at this point. Let's say like a few years ago, they actually had been picked to go into the big 12. They would have been, again, positive side, you're in the big 12. With Rod Carey, negative side, you're in the Big 12 with Rod Carey, they might have gone winless in the Big 12. With, with I wonder if Jeff Collins would have left, yeah, in the Big 12. Like, oh. I don't know, probably I would think so, but like maybe you retain it a year Jeff Collins, yeah. I mean, I again, I know it's the popular thing to argue about and debate, like, yeah, what do you want to do? Drop down to the A10, but then you're
1: just like, if they were in the Big 12, they're in the same boat from like the part of this question, like, what's your role in that conference? Mm-hmm. Your nearest opponent is West Virginia,
0: yeah, like,
1: West Virginia and Cincinnati, and then like. Like, look the 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 unlike deniable fact is that like university wise, athletic wise, when it's going well geographically, the it's the ACC, right? Like that hmm. is the goal. The ACC is not going to invite a Temple team that goes three and nine every year and fifteen and fifteen. So like, like grow where you are planted is the phrase is the cliche that they would use.
0: Yes, water the plant the plant grows yes yeah um i mean along those lines in in terms of talking about vision adapting all that stuff so many of you as as fans and listeners have sent in questions about name image and likeness what is temple doing to support it embrace it so on and so forth um it is fairly noteworthy to note that the the athletic department on its official uh website on lsports.com they have now a smack dab in the middle of that top menu it says temple nil and they have added uh they've made some nil developments on the athletic department's website adding that tab it includes information about the tough fund the, the collective that's been started over the last few months um just general rules and guidelines surrounding name image and likeness they're built on broad programs so you also go to the temple basketball roster and it
1: now has one both their like their social media handles and also the link to like you want Jaleel White to give you a shout out for 75 dollars that's also on the roster
0: yeah yeah so uh, uh, a step in the right direction there I mean obviously they 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 weathered their their fair share of criticism for um you know maybe not being as as far along as Pitt and Penn State were when name image and likeness became a thing I think these are definitely steps in the right direction so part of that vision is you know if if you know again to to address this mailbag question what's their uh what's their vision for the athletic department again like some people have said are they really truly embracing name image and likeness are they doing everything they can do i mean i'm sure the administration would you know go back and forth with you on that say well we're doing this we're doing that but like i mean they literally just put a link on their athletic department website directly to the tough fund or the collective and they're embracing what they can legally do so um Said, step in the in the right direction. Right,
1: like are they all of a sudden Nebraska that just put out these tweets today about like you, the fans, you're the reason we're number one in AL. I'm like, no, but like they are better now than they were two weeks ago when they weren't even acknowledging. it.
0: Yeah, um, on the football side of things, uh, hey, if you're an Eagles fan, you're happy about the fact that Sean Reddick was named uh, the NFC Defensive Player of the Month. Sean Bradley's banged up for the Eagles right now. Maybe he'll get back into. He
1: tweeted what like
0: if you make if we make the Super Bowl. Yeah. I'd be back. I'm not sure how um, IR rules
1: work for the playoffs. So I'm not sure if he'd even be eligible.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Dawkins
1: might make the Super Bowl and Tyler Madikevich.
0: Yes. Yeah. Um, um, Again, if you are an Group subscriber, um, you can read uh, Javon's story, Javon Evans' story on Kamar Wilcox. And he he talked to him, um, you know, about – Uh, the safety from Florida, the transfer again, if you recall, he actually verbally committed to temple back on December 18th. They didn't announce him as a signee on, uh, I guess when was that the 21st, whenever national signing day was that, that Mm -hmm. Wednesday, but, um, yeah, they announced, uh, they announced his, they officially announced his arrival, uh, because again, with the, with the transfers, it's important to note that, um, with the transfers coming in uh, from the portal, it's not a situation where if they don't sign, so to speak, in December that they have to wait to right. sign in February. That the, the same rules do not apply because uh, they, to- they, they don't
1: sign out. They don't sign analyze. They sign right. grant of aids
0: and yeah, yeah. So, um, but again, they they announced it. They made it official again. If you are a, a, an Alask subscriber, you can check out Javon's interview and story on Kamar Wilcoxon. So uh, a guy that, again, he's got to come in, he's got to compete, but a guy they could certainly help their defensive backfield at safety in an immediate way. A guy that, you know, is coming in, I don't want to give away the whole story, but uh, seems pretty intent on on having a really good uh, season at Temple, wants to compete, come in and, and be playing alongside Alex Odom, a guy that's that hopes to be their top replacement for – for Jalen Ware, who's out of eligibility now, and Jalen's hoping to get drafted. But, um, you know, we're, we're seeing now a, a, a little bit of a string where Temple is really getting involved with Florida transfers. And uh, Dewan Black, uh, verbally committed to Temple. We're hoping to catch up with him soon, a guy that's really intriguing there um, as a linebacker. And the, the name of the defensive lineman, whose name Alan is Alan I'm oh,
1: sorry, from um, Chris Thomas. Yes, yeah. Calls himself what? T-what? We got to stop that. Yes. The fact the fact that you include that in your article, absolutely not. Or, or Javon's <laughs> article. No. Just cuz he has it on his Twitter name that that is his nickname does not mean we're going to call him T-Town. Not call do him T-Town. Have, do you ever ever have a nickname that's stuck? Um for some reason and I don't know why this this followed me at my former employer and my current employer, for some reason work people like calling me KG. Like it's a very legitimate thing. Like I don't know why, but like it's just unsolicited people call me KG. Uh, I, think, I don't know if that's because of Kevin Garnett. Like, I don't know. But no, for the most part, no. Like, I have a short name, so like I don't need to necessarily have like a nickname.
0: Hmm. We'll work on
1: that. Like, like, do you consider Johnny a nickname?
0: No. Um, I, Johnny, Johnny D. Honestly, you know, when people started like... JDC. Uh, JDC started, honestly, I swear to God, people started hearing like... People I worked with are like Al Scoop, sports related people. Al Golden started calling me that, and Ryan Roeder, who's now on the um, the Lafayette staff, who was a grad mm-hmm. assistant with the Giants, also they started calling me JDC. Like Chris Clark calls me that. Um, like yeah, just like, I just kind of picked up.
1: Yeah, I think I think that counts. You get that a lot. Yeah, yeah. Gel tried making the Pope of Temple Athletics your nickname.
0: I tell him to stop. It's just you're like, please stop. Yes, please stop. Zach Gelb, our good buddy at CBS Sports Radio up in New York, promises to get down to a game at some point soon. Um, uh, we do have a um, a football mailbag question here that takes us, you know, a good segue into talking more football in terms of what's ahead in the coming weeks. Uh, JHG722, his mailbag question is, do you see any additions from the portal happening? If so, at what positions? If so, what positions would likely be the priority? I think we were kind of talking about this like off off air, so to speak, over the past week, I feel like I know what your answer might be here. Um, Um,
1: No, to answer the question. Yeah, I do. Uh, I think when, when Stan Drayton said like, we're still expecting to sign, you know, three, four, five more guys on uh, the offensive side and one or two on defense. I think one or two on defense was Wilcoxon hadn't been announced. Devon Black was still out there. Uh, I think I I would bet the majority of not all of the offensive signees are also going to be transfers. I mm-hmm. think that's still kind of like where they're viewing. It. I think they built their foundation of, look, they signed 22 like prep, JUCO and and high school kids. Mm-hmm. And that's your foundation. That's the majority of your class. And now, okay, time to sign 10 transfers and, and see what happens. I feel like that's just kind of like the making of the modern college football recruiting class. I mean, the 25 is the number that people always talk about it used to be the, the scholarship limit, which was never like fully true because you know, you could, roll some guys over if they were early enrollees they could count towards whatever now in today's transfer portal world you can go up to 32 if with i think the extra seven can end up being like transfers so like you can go up to 32 and as of right now with all the announced transfers and with those signees like tuples at 28 i could see four more guys end up being like just offensive guys as to his question of where is it The I think kind of like step back perspective, you would say running back. But I kind of don't think that's the case, at least not in a couple weeks, not in the current state. Uh, Jaquiz Smith and Kyle Williams are both enrolled. They're both going to be here for spring. So that obviously is a big advantage. They get uh, they get six more weeks to look at the kid and see like, hey, is this some guy that we can rely on or do we need Mm -hmm. to go to the portal? Yeah, I I think for running back, the only way they would add somebody would be like post spring Mm -hmm. of like, okay, we should we went through this. We realized, look, you got a new running back coach in Sam Dorsett. You have these three new running backs in the system. Like, do we need more, or are we comfortable with that? But I think that has the possibility. But I would think maybe not because you're already at six guys. I I, I still think they're going to bring a tight end in. Like, I I think even if David, Martin Robinson and Jordan Smith stay, which is definitely a possibility. Like, they haven't announced anything yet. They're both seniors, so all of a sudden, like going into next year, like the following year, like, are you comfortable with like James Del Pesca and Reese Clark and Peter Clark? Mm-hmm. I can see that being one, and I think the big, big one is offensive line. I think they still need one or two more guys in there.
0: I think one of the other things that I think we might have just been talking about this anecdotally is they probably got to bring in a quarterback, right? I mean, you know, yeah, 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 the challenge there is going to be. Mariana you know, Valenti entered the portal. We yeah, Mariana Valenti is gone, having entered the portal. And I think you were talking about we were as a staff we were talking about this. How do you bring in somebody to say okay, we got to bring in somebody for depth? Of course. I'm sure the conversations are, yeah, we want you to come in and compete, but we know that the EJ Warner is going to be the starter. They like Tyler Douglas a lot. They could redshirt Tyler Douglas. Do you want to have at least two starting caliber guys? Obviously Tyler Douglas has to come in and improve himself. Mario Valenti has gone. You, you might need to go out and get a quarterback for depth and, and say, yeah, I mean, yes, you saw what EJ Warner did. He's not going anywhere. At least for this coming year, uh, Tyler Douglas. We're really high on this kid that we're bringing in, but you can. I guess the pitch could be, yeah, we're bringing in a true freshman from you know from Ocean Township High School, but you can come in and compete with him. Um, yeah, or you you, still you, have you, plenty,
1: can... you know, but yeah, and like Quincy Harrison, I think like if if they had to kick off against. Is Akron their opener? Okay, if they had to kick off against Akron tomorrow, I think Quincy Patterson would, like, would be your number two because I think like if you're Tyler Douglas, you're playing on redshirting, mm-hmm. and then you're a redshirt freshman when EJ is a junior, and then whatever, you go from there. I think that he would be the backup, Quincy Patterson, mm-hmm. but I think the way that you kind of handle filling that depth could be one of a couple ways. One way is that you do what Georgia Tech did with Tribe Betty a couple years ago where you're like, look, come in get your master's degree. We think you're a good cultural fit. Like you'll provide depth, but like, otherwise like what else are you going to go do work in enterprise or you go like the Juco route where it's like, I I'm sorry, that was not a slight of Tread Betty. I didn't mean, not mean it that way. I just yeah, meant, for yeah, the, yeah. I meant for Tread, Tread Betty is an incredibly intelligent person. I yeah. meant as like some guy that's just like their eligibility is expiring. Like, right. You're right. Gonna, are you going to go get a job or are you going to work in our, uh, college football for another year?
0: Mm.
1: Or you go the Juco route where it's the same thing where it's like, a guy's a, gonna be a junior. You're out of Juco eligibility. Maybe you're not getting the, the D1 looks that you want. Like, we can give you the opportunity to at least come in here. I think it's like, it's harder to bring a guy in like that when they probably don't have a necessarily fair shake of winning the job, but it's not impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, also, I, for all I know, Danny Langsdorf has a guy from Fresno State of Colorado or something where you're like, I have a connection with this guy. He trusts me. Come in, like there's always a possibility of something like
0: that, too. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, we do have a We do have another one here from uh the screen name What What to You. Uh, Kyle, thanks for referencing this. It currently says, at. It's talking about the scholarship table available at yeah, scholarship right, Table, yeah. Uh, on our yes, if you're subscribing, you see this currently says at minus four free scholarships, meaning they need to lose four players. Do you think this happens soon or will it be at the end of the spring semester as kids realize? They have their degree and want to move on slash see the writing is on the wall after spring practice or the spring game. If you don't want to answer this question here and make it a mailbag question for this week, scoop, yeah. that works too. Thanks as always for your hard work. Well, we're making it a mailbag question.
1: Sorry. Uh, if my cough just made the, the podcast. Uh, both yeah. is how I would answer your question. I think it's going to happen soon. And I think it's going to happen after spring. Um, I was actually really surprised that Mariana Valenti and Rory Bell announced that they were entering the portal like this week because yeah. in my mind, that was the weirdest timing because either like do it back in the in December when everybody else did or wait till this upcoming week when you're back on campus. Because if I'm a Temple student as a football player and I'm enrolled in classes and I'm on campus and I enter the portal, they have to honor my scholarship like for the spring. Like I am like a spring scholarship player. Mm-hmm. So like, that's why like, I think you'll see some guys. I have a couple names that like I'm keeping an eye on, but like I would never report that without them reporting it. Um, I will say that like, Rory Bell and Mariano Valenti were not surprises to anybody that was paying attention. Right.
0: Uh
1: I think you're gonna see some guys on like Tuesday after Martin Luther King Day, once they're finally on campus and classes start, announce their um transfer portal entry like that week. Like they right. won't make it to spring football, they'll just figure it out. Temple's not really hard pressed to like they don't have to run anybody off. It's not like they're at the 85 scholarship limit for the spring mm-hmm. because I mean right now, like eleven of the 28 kids are like at least 11 are like currently enrolled that doesn't put them anywhere near the 85 scholarship limit that they need to be at for the spring so like all these kids could stay and then decide to transfer following spring but i think some of them are going to want to get a head start on on the process yeah. uh, and then yeah and then once we go through spring practice and you've had and it's cherry and white day and you had another 15 practices or whatever it might be that will end up being some more conversations and if they're not conversations that are initiated by temple like None of these kids are idiots. Like a lot of them can read the writing on the wall where you go, okay, I'm 12th on this depth chart and I'm a junior. If I want to get film, I got to transfer. Like those conversations happen all the time, every year. I never get too worried about the fact that there are a couple of scholarships over because it always shakes itself out. Either it's departures from the current program or it's guys that sign dentalized don't make it academically. Like it always works out. I don't, I, I can't, I I don't even know if there's ever been a time where it's come like close to not working out. If anything, they always end up having more scholarships than I think they're going to have. I always think like, Oh, they're going to have to run off five guys to get this. And the next thing you know, they have four available scholarships. I'm like, Oh, they're right off nine guys. So Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, I know people are like exhaling a little bit with like, okay, they got through the transfer portal. um, I think like there's three more days they got through this early thing without any major losses other than Darian Varner, but like, there's still the possibility. Of things can absolutely happen because even if they don't happen in the next couple of days, there's that other window following spring practice that things can yeah. happen. Yeah. Yeah. To June one or whatever it might be, like June one, where it's like, okay, this is the roster. Like, there's no no time to to fully exhale yet.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, coaches will will tell you, and again, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think on one hand, they're you know, give them credit for. The fact that, yeah, as of now, they've only lost – the only significant departure has been Darian Varner. Who's now at Wisconsin. Yes, and Leighton Jordan. uh, We've reported that that he's set to come back. They do have to get past that one last hurdle, like you said, in the spring. But so far, so good. And coaches will tell you now more than ever in this day and age, every day, every week, every month, you are always recruiting, not only just out there, but you're recruiting your current roster to make sure – Uh, that these guys are are healthy as well i will say i think it's just from like a person perspective i think it's easier
1: it's harder from a coaching perspective easier from a player's perspective to leave during the period that we just got through Mm -hmm. like look like like you're going home it's winter break i'm talking to people people are in my ears i'm not around my like friends there's not like that camaraderie i think it's easier to make the decision of like screw it i'm going to transfer then than it is like after I just went through spring practice with these guys and everything was like vibing with that. So I think like the, uh, if somebody like like glaringly important was going to leave, I think it would have, it's more likely it would have already happened, but you never know because the same questions that Tupple is going to ask itself after spring of, Hey, is running back short up? Hey, do we need a guy from offensive line? Those same questions are going to be asked at 130 other FPS programs. And maybe San Jose state says, you know what? I really need a guy at this position. And we have a booster who's in the surfboard business. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> San Jose is San Jose even on the water. Yeah, it is. Right? Uh let's get our California correspondent. I'm pretty sure San Jose, I'm pretty sure San Jose is on the water. But not like According Southern.
1: It's not like Southern California. Like it's it's okay. It's on like a it's on like the bay. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> so like maybe they're in the Diego, the muscles business. I also don't know the muscles are harvest. Uh, and they say, okay, we're well, we willing to throw money at this. So, like, those questions are always going to still be out there until you get to like June
0: 1. Where'd you make your money to uh, be throwing around stuff like that for NIL? I'm in the mussels business. I mean, people make money off crabs, I'm, crabs, fish, mussels, shrimping. Red or Forest, white? Force Gump, Gump made a billion dollars off shrimp. Yeah. Franchised. Can you name 10 of the shrimps that he mentioned? The shrimp. Uh... First of all, he didn't mention them. So, no. So, I'm not going to... Oh, no. That's right. It was his buddy. Yeah, was Bubba. Right, that's right. That yes.
1: Bubba did that. Yes. So, no. I'm not going to buy and play your game if you can't even get <laughs> back. <laughs>
0: it's been a while since I've seen Forrest Gump. Did you see, like, they came out and, like, there
1: was, um, like, talk of Forrest Gump 2 in, like, the mid-90s? No. I never there, like, there was, like, a, a video going around where it's Tom Hanks and whoever the, the screenwriter was, was, like, we're originally going to do Forrest Gump 2, and it was going to be, like, really, like, kind of, like, morbid. Like, um haley joel osmond's character was going to die like the child and then it's like him like going around and then in the end it was going to end up being that like forrest gump was in oklahoma city during the oklahoma city um bombings so i guess it would have been late it that was what 95 96 whatever it was yeah. yeah so it was going to be like later in the 90s and then uh while they're going through it i think 9 11 happened or mm. something happened. Like, there was, like, some act of terrorism happened, and they were like, this is not a good idea that we put this out here. Essentially, is what it came down to.
0: Mm. Mm. I did not know that. And then they were like, yeah, we're not doing Forrest Gump 2 anymore. What if that's the major takeaway from the podcast? What did you learn on The Scoop this week? I'll tell you what. Did you know they were uh, originally going to make a Forrest Gump 2 and it didn't happen?
1: Loosely related, there's, like, moments in my life where, like, I remember, like, where I was when this happened for like not inconsequential things. Like, I remember where I was when Deshaun Grimes uh, committed in like 2014. <laughs> I was at a um, I was at like Kavanaugh's River Deck. Like, I remember that. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm going to remember where I was. I was watching Knives Out too when the one Black committed. <laughs> so, I'm retain that one. I'm not going to remember my kid's name half the time. I might call him the dog's name, but I'm going to remember where I was when, <laughs> when these players committed.
0: We were in. Tucson, Arizona. When we were thinking the Temple was not the lead for Daniel Shepho's recruitment, correct. um Was that
1: was that for Tucson?
0: Maybe that was in the tournament when they 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 beat Penn State and then yeah.
1: But I thought his like visit wasn't until like April, because like otherwise why would he have been visiting when Temple was
0: not that he was on a America. visit that weekend, but we were we were getting the vibe at that point that they were in a pretty good place with his uh, gotcha
1: the vibe. Big vibe, guys. Yes. Yes. Always
0: vibing. But we do have one late breaking mailbag question right, to news. close things out from our friend Pat Egan from 97 The uh, 975 The Fanatics, John Kincaid show in the morning. Uh longtime Temple fan, longtime listener of the scoop. Uh a two-parter, as always, one serious and, and one funny component to it. Uh Pat is asking us, what did you hear on the departure of Preston Brown? Had high hopes for that guy. Uh, we'll answer that one first. And again, of course, Preston Brown was Temple's former running backs coach. And then there's a a funny one in here. What do we hear? Nothing, nothing concrete. I guess it just didn't work out. I mean, I think when Stan Drayton was taking over and filling out his staff, I think a couple of those positions, a couple of those staff members that you looked at, you were kind of intrigued about were um, is he going to retain Gabe Infante? Is he going to retain Preston? And he retained Preston. Um, I don't know if it was a difference of philosophy or if the staff maybe felt like, you know, obviously they were the third worst rushing attack in America. Never a great thing, but I don't know how I can't say that I that was definitely the reason for it because for all I know, Stan Drayton and Danny Langsdorf might be saying, hey, Preston maybe didn't have enough to work with here. We're turning over the roster. Maybe it was a recruiting thing. Maybe they thought they had hoped that that Preston would have more of an impact. In South Jersey, right. and he did. I, I don't know. Those could all potentially be reasons, but without... I
1: think it's. if I had to guess, I'd say it's probably more that last one. Yeah. Like, there just wasn't that immediate impact in South Jersey than maybe you expected.
0: Yeah. And Especially
1: like- when, like, the best South Jersey recruiter of all time is no longer in your backyard and is now down in Georgia. Like, you would have thought that maybe Temple had the potential to make some inroads there, and they really didn't.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, again, I, I wish... Preston, nothing but the best. He was a very good high school coach at Woodrow Wilson. And I, I think he's a knowledgeable football guy, but yeah, I think Preston
1: we- will have no trouble landing on his feet as well. Yeah, I think he's incredibly successful at what he does. He just needs uh-huh. to find the right spot.
0: Yeah. Uh, second uh, part of Pat's question here. And what are you doing if you win the Powerball? Where are you living? Who are you telling off?
1: John DeCarlo is who
0: I would be telling off. Um <laughs> I, i've you thought need about to this before you need to win the powerball but you've told me off that's how not true hold, i i show nothing but me respect me <laughs> i say have i ever
1: gotten like angry at you i don't think so no <laughs> the
0: only thing you've ever done is if you you know we've talked about this on previous podcasts you sense when you have you feel bad if you've teased me enough and then you just do the and then you so do like, the heart you do the the, the heart thing no you never what, told me off but you wouldn't need to you wouldn't need to win the powerball to tell me off I when hope. when Babe Ruth
1: towards him of
0: his career didn't he
1: go back to Boston? Am I making that up? I don't know. Um, yeah, towards the end he went to the National League Boston team, played a year there. You talk about me as if I'm just like full of like 2012 like venom and vitriol, and
0: it's just not true. Like I'm just like what is 2012 venom? Like, so? that's when I was at my peak with like. <laughs> if you don't get me a Model T Ford immediately. I'm gonna blow this place up. 2012, John. <laughs> oh, not why? What? 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 2012. <laughs> 19, I had 1912 in my head. Boy, that was bizarre. Yikes. Nonetheless, uh, yeah. Can you, can you respect? No. Early um, so 2000,
1: like 2012, like I think is when like I was giving you the most guff, and like you like have these moments of oh, that's when Kyle walked me back from the edge, and blah blah, blah and like he just, he realized he was being too mean. I'm not. I can't tell you the last time that I think I've been like truly mean. <laughs> <laughs> to you, at least, like I, I really, I really don't think those happen that often anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't
1: think I have to check myself. I have thought about the uh the Powerball question because I think everybody does. That's mm-hmm. that's the reason you buy the Powerball ticket, right? It's like you know you're not winning money, but it buys you those eight hours of daydreaming.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think I'd have different home bases.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think I'd have mm-hmm. to retain a, a spot in like the Mid Atlantic because like my family's here, my family's here, blah 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 blah. So I'd probably stay around here. I think I'd also have like an island home, like St. John, St. Lucia, something like that. And then I think I'd have a home in like, um, well, I was going to initially say whatever European country would give me citizenship. So that way I could have like a fallback. But I think in reality, if I could choose things, I think i would have a, an Irish estate somewhere, somewhere mm-hmm. outside of Dublin that I can go to during the warm months or the cold, the regular months. But most of the time I think I'd be in the islands. I'd mm-hmm. also be like, minus the weird stuff. I'd be living like a McAfee life. Where like you hear a rumor about Kyle, but like it's just weird enough that you're like, oh, that can't be real. But like it's just realistic enough that you're like, that could be real. He could be doing that. He could be like breeding and and growing a spider monkey farm. Like you have no idea. So I think I'd be, I think I'd be down on the islands, Saint John. Love Saint John.
0: When you said I'd be living a McAfee life, I, I, I said, like, you're going to come up with the next antivirus software for, for, I actually
1: really got into coding during this time. I realized there was, you know, there's just not enough antivirus software. So So Kyle's in the big tech now. Yeah. I'm going to what, then I'm going to move to Belize. Like that's what he did the Island off of Belize or whatever. Really? Yeah. I don't think, I don't really have that much interest in having like a West coast lifestyle, Mm -mm. whatever. I think I'd, I think I'd primarily stay East Coast.
0: You stay in of to the West Coast. Yeah.
1: And visit whenever you want. For sure. That's the other thing is like even with the, when I'm like oh I have a European base in Ireland like I could also just pl- fly private jet anywhere and like I go to sleep in Philadelphia and I wake up in Dubai like it's not that hard to get around anymore i'm not i'm not a, I'm like a cruise like a steam liner like oh it's gonna take me 13 days to get down to <laughs> down to the colonies down that's to the where my
0: that's where my early 1900s radio voice instead
1: is. like you just like you take a night Ny- night and you wake up the next day and you're on the other side of the world NyQuil. <laughs> time travel or it's kind of like it's i've talked about this before but it's kind of like the best part of like the invention of uber is like when you go out and you're like I went to the bar too long. I'm drunk. You can just fall asleep in the back of the an Uber and you wake up 40 miles away. It's like time travel. I'm home. Here
0: I am. I'm very trusting of that Uber driver, though.
1: I'm also a 33-year-old male. The odds of things happening to me are a lot less than other things. So I just roll the
0: dice. <laughs> um, I would, I would, I mean, so we're We're talking about like whatever the Powerball jump. Jack- I'm going to
1: say, let's say $800 million. So you're, and you take the annuity, you're going to have about like 375.
0: Out of 800 million, 375 million. Mm -hmm. I would, I would, I I mean, I would donate a lot of it. I would, I would donate to animal shelters, women's shelters to higher ed. I would, uh, I would, yeah, I'm like you, I would have a home base around here. My mom's still alive. My brother, sister-in-law nephews are here. Have a place around here, probably have a place in Cape May at the Jersey Shore, have a place maybe somewhere in Tuscany or the Amalfi Coast. Now, you're talking to a guy who has never been anywhere else in in Europe, so I would explore what else is in Europe. Um, Yeah, I don't think I'd have a place on, on, on the West Coast. that being said i also
1: occasionally think to myself like oh man living in hawaii must be sick because like when you're there you're like six hours behind everything so you're like you're watching like sunday night football at 2 p.m there's benefits to that yeah i'm gonna change my answer though i think i'm just gonna have a train like snow piercer where it's just constantly running like that's just kyle's billionaire train that just goes (laughs) around it just never stops and i'm just like who's who gets how do people get on how do people get off he's a train willy wonka we don't know Like who are you telling off? I really don't have people in my life that like I feel the need to tell off that I haven't already told off. Like, I'll just say that like I like it's not this isn't some like. Movie where like I've been harboring like my boss, like yells at me and throws things at me and I'm never I'm just waiting for the right. But I just got to keep working to keep food on the table like things like that are really part of my life. If I dislike somebody, I think I've made it pretty obvious in my life that I dislike them. Yeah. So.
0: Same for me. Same for me. Eh. Uh, I mean, I'm sure I could come up with a couple of people who I would love. You,
1: to you would say that you're you don't shy away from confrontation.
0: Oh, I definitely have shied away from confrontation, but I can't think of.
1: Oh, I just don't include people in my life that like would make me want to tell them off. Like if I feel the need yeah. that like I'm just harboring this resentment, and I want to tell you off. Oh, that's not gonna like include you in my life. Like I don't care.
0: Yeah.
1: I get yelled at enough by a three year old upstairs. I don't need to get yelled at by somebody else. So just snip. <laughs> Jordan yelled at me today because a balloon a balloon deflated. Balloons deflate, Jordan. That's like part of life. The fine yell, and he literally yelled at you for that. Yeah, he fixed the balloon fix the balloon i can't fix the balloon or like a light bulb goes out he yells at me for three days to fix the light bulb every time he passed by the light bulb really keeps me honest that's incredible yeah you would know if you came around every now and then, john you would know about his strong opinions
0: literally just asked you what what he wanted for his birthday and you had nothing for me his birthday's over the past
1: doesn't I mean i can't stop <laughs>
0: yeah. anyway um thanks for the mailbag question pat uh thank you to all of you so very much for listening to another episode of the scoop again we'll be with you next week hope you guys have a great week and great weekend and we will talk to you soon